gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, week nine in the books. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. First question for you, uh, is Virginia better than Clemson? <laughs> people are wondering. Many, many people are saying. <laughs> that might be a... Uh, transferable theme song at this point that might be getting assigned over to the uh, the clemson sideline at it's this, at this it's point. A, it's gaining it's gaining some traction with other programs in the conference and uh we have a handful <laughs> that could be getting that treatment here on this podcast this evening there you go uh mike we got a bunch of games we got to talk talk about from week nine um really appreciate the people joining us here we're live on sunday night we were going to go live saturday night apologize for the delay there um, you had been at a wedding. Shout out to Colin and Francis. Congratulations to them. Um, but yeah, it was, it was not in the cards for last night. I think you said you were absolutely wiped. I was also in a uh, you know in a weird weird headspace. So uh, we are here Sunday night recapping all these games. Appreciate. <laughs> hey, shut up, Piglet. Um, <laughs> we uh, we're here. No one even on gets the... that reference except for you. Yeah, <laughs> it's still very funny. Made my it might made, made Mike laugh. <laughs> We're at youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Shout out to the people in the chat here joining us. Uh, we've already got a couple of comments going. Uh, we once again, Chad Bracey was first and made sure to let the people know about that. So um, come join us in. We we, uh, we appreciate the folks that are here and hit the subscribe button if you are here and you haven't done that yet. We would really, really appreciate that. We are almost to our goal of 250 subscribers by the end of this season. Uh, so really appreciate your all's help with that. Mike, uh, you want to put 10 minutes on the clock and see how many games we can talk about really quick in uh, those 10 minutes and then probably need another like five to eight minutes after that to actually get through all of them? And go. Go. Virginia Tech 38, Syracuse 10. Uh, Joey. In Holy Virginia, crap, Virginia Tech. Uh, in the Hokies' three conference wins this season, they are outscoring opponents 106 to 44. Is that good? I, Yeah, seems pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Hokies are looking competent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Virginia Tech all of a sudden has a game on Saturday against Louisville uh, to decide who is the second best team in the ACC going into uh, the home stretch of the season. Virginia Tech has a non-zero chance to make it to Charlotte to play in an ACC championship game. What? What? In- yes. And we'll just let that audio sit there. Things I did not think we'd be saying in uh, in late october here as we go into november that's for sure yep uh syracuse yikes embarrassing yeah embarrassing my life right now all right syracuse is 0-3 oh and four actually that was yeah. <laughs> syracuse oh and four in acc play oh yeah rough yeah not great um there was i, I saw the uh the q word being thrown around a little bit as mm. it related to syracuse and i i think uh even from like a couple of former players there is something very clearly missing from the Syracuse team. And again, you know, you lost Sean Tucker last year. We've already lost Aronde Gadsden for the year. Um, a couple other injuries here or there. You know, it's they we talked about how, like, you know, how much can you really gain from watching them play against Clemson, North Carolina and Florida State. But like this is this was an opportunity, I think, for them to kind of reestablish some momentum a little bit. And even if you don't, it, it's there's no shame in losing this game if you're Syracuse. But man, it sucks to get blown out the way that they did. 
Yeah, lose by four touchdowns in a game that wasn't competitive. You mentioned uh, words that begin with Q, like quit. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with a phrase that begins with Q, and it would be quickly clean up your resume, Dino, because Mm -hmm. if you don't get this thing turned around here in November, you're going to be looking for another job. Yep. Where to, Mike? Uh, I I think there's only one place, Joey. Let's talk about the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. (laughs) This is I, this is like one of the most chaotic teams in college football, and I I don't understand it. We we told y'all on this podcast, we told we y'all they were going to win. We did. We, we told you on, on the recap last week. We told you on the preview last week. Like we told you twice, and of course they go out and do it. We both said to put bets I money am line. The smartest man alive. <laughs> we said to put bets down money line. We did not lock this game up, and we regret doing that. So mm-hmm. apologies, but we both took Georgia Tech plus the eleven and a half with some confidence. Yep. I bet it this weekend, by the mm-hmm. way. Bet it. It was profitable for me, by the way. Wish I bet on the money line. Yep. Best showing of, of the Brent Key era at home, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, huge upset win. Homecoming, you got the field rush. That was fun. Haynes King, I thought, was really good. He made one bad decision all night. It turned into an interception. Uh, but otherwise, he was good. I thought his legs were a huge deal. And, oh, hey, Dante Smith, where have you been? Mm-hmm. 22 carries for 178 and a touchdown. Um, he was an absolute man for that offense in the second half. Um, really just a, a really wild, interesting game in a lot of different regards. So um, really, really excited for Georgia Tech to have won that game. Uh, once again, Bull Watch, we're, we're back on Bull Back. I'm back. Sure. <laughs> sure. Back on Bull Watch. Didn't, didn't see that coming. This game was really nuts. I mean, over 1,200 yards of offense. You had 88 points on the board. Like, a crazy game. Bad. Uh, Miami 29, Virginia 26 in overtime. Uh, Miami by the skin of their teeth. Yeah, I don't... Was Miami, like, fully checked in for all of this game? Probably not. Uh, seems like this was a check-in, check-out situation, that there were some drives that Virginia just could not do anything on offense. And then... And then there were a couple drives that it seemed like Miami got a little bit comfortable and Virginia got something going. So, you know, Tyler Van Dyke, not good again. And this was a little bit of a, this was tougher than it should have been for Miami. That's for sure. Yeah. Virginia might be improving. I'm wondering about that. We need to have that conversation. We'll have that conversation. We'll have that conversation here shortly. Uh, Louisville 23, Duke nothing. Uh, I think Mike Elko should have considered sitting Riley Leonard against Florida State because now Duke is in an uphill battle for an ACC title game appearance. They basically let the Riley Leonard injury and early return kind of beat them twice here. They weren't Mm -hmm. competitive here offensively. Leonard is still clearly banged up. Uh, He offers nothing in the running game, which is like 70% of what he does well. Uh, Yeah, I I still think Duke's a well-coached team. I still think Elko deserves a lot of credit for a job he's done there. But I think that was a poor decision, and I think it's kind of manifesting itself in the multiple losses here. Yeah, without Ryo Leonard's legs at, at their disposal, this is a this is a pretty average offense. Yeah. Um, but I, I'll say this: I was really impressed with the Louisville defense in this game. Yeah, they're I good. Mean, they're good. Shutting out Duke the way that they did. I mean, Duke. You look at some of the offensive stats; like they could not do anything on offense in this game. Nine first downs, two of twelve on third downs. Uh, only 200 total yards. Like this was a, a really dominant and impressive performance by Louisville's defense, especially. Uh, also, Jawar Jordan comes back after missing basically the entire Pittsburgh game. 21 for 163 and two touchdowns. He was running angry. Uh, really, really good performance from him as well, and, and just a big day for Louisville. 
uh, Notre Dame 58, Pittsburgh 7. Holy the, crap. <laughs> the, the best thing the best thing that Pat Narduzzi did this entire day was kind of go on to Twitter and just apologize. apologize for what he said in the postgame press conference. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Embarrassing by Pittsburgh. It just mm-hmm. another really embarrassing performance. Speaking of embarrassing, NC State 24, Clemson 17. Yo, Clemson's offense, that, that's a mess. That Dude. is a mess. I'm out on Clemson. Non-zero chance that non-zero chance here that they don't make a bowl game. Non-zero yeah. chance. All I'm saying. That's that is absolutely on the table right now when you look at what they've got left and what they've been looking like. Um, I texted you at one point. NC State is currently running the uh, get Clemson penalized offense, mm-hmm. and Clemson really wasn't running an offense at all. They were just going out there running around getting some fresh air. It seemed like I, this was a mess. Cade Klubnik, man, bad dude. He's bad. He bad. ain't it. No, he's not. Some of the things I saw him do, some of the throws I saw him make, man, he does not look. I think he's getting worse. Like, this is kind of what we saw from DJ, right? Is like he got worse over the time that he was there. I think Mm -hmm. Cade's worse than he was, you know, a year ago right now. Yeah, maybe maybe stop merging Clemson stuff with uh, Garrett Riley stuff. Maybe just like Garrett, Garrett Riley do his thing. Yeah. Boston College, 21, UConn, 14. Thomas Castellanos got hurt here. Uh, BC was in a slog. This was not their best performance bc has been really improving but this was not great speaking of making it harder than it needs to be um i mean bc yeah like you won this game by seven in a a game where you had multiple drives ended with turnovers like in the red zone or near it like you you really left a lot of points on the board here i think so it it could have been easier than this uh but a win's a win and you know you just get out of there and, and move on and boston college one win away from bowl eligibility weird year for the eagles uh florida state 41 wake forest 16 this went exactly how we thought no notes this is this is spot on exactly what kind of what we thought was going to happen jordan travis had a big stat line good for him uh mitch griffiths started for wake forest it did not go well that's not surprising two minute warning um yeah i mean i florida state basically took control of this game early it was 34 to 7 at halftime and then uh, just kind of coasted through the second half bang done that is how you do a rapid reaction. Mm-hmm. Good job, Mike. You 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 uh you kind of guide that cruise ship. I sp- well. I sped us up there. I sped us <laughs> up after we spent about four minutes on Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech. Which That's I right. mean, would you expect anything less? Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, this rapid recap brought to you by Section103.com, the internet's premier place for all things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. Uh, they have T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, uh, something with uh, something for men, women, children, something for the whole family. Uh, things with the official tech gold, things with the official word marks, including the ATL logo. I'm wearing mine right now if you're watching it, youtube.com uh, slash the AC, at the ACC football podcast. Uh, use our promo code for uh, 10% off your first order. It's go ACC. Uh, but Mike, if you're following them on the social medias, if you are on their email list, you would also know that uh, following a win over the number 17 uh, UNC Tar Heels, Section 103 offering 17% off everything in the store today. Uh, I believe if you're watching live, you might still have the chance to go get something live from them. So uh, keep it tuned there. You know, Go find them on social media to be aware of any deals that come up. Uh, once again, if you if you wanted to celebrate with Haynes King or, or Dante Smith after how they performed last night, they've got jerseys on the site. Uh, they also just announced a new Joe Hamilton jersey, uh, which is also exciting. You know, I think thrown back to his Heisman runner-up year of 1999, 1998, somewhere in there, late 90s. Um, so anyways, go to section103.com, use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. Uh, or for now, if you're you, in the next couple hours, go uh, go get 17% off. Do that. It's a better deal than we can offer you. That's right. That's right. Shout out to Steven and the gang. Appreciate their partnership. 
and their listenership too. He is a yep. listener. Yep, absolutely. And thank you guys for uh, for supporting Section 103. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Mike. Where do we uh, where do we want to start the uh, the deep dives here? I want to start here. NC State twenty four, Clemson seventeen. Yeah, I want to start here for a number of reasons. Number one, Dabo made that comment a couple weeks ago now, where he said that maybe they had to, you know, accumulate a couple more losses to lighten up the bandwagon, and. I think that is one of the dumbest things that, and and there's a list of things he said that's been pretty dumb. This is up there as one of the dumbest things he's ever said. One of the dumbest things I've heard a college football coach say is that we want less fan support. What an idiot, right? (laughs) What an idiot. Oh, what a loser. Perfect sound. Loser's right, by the way. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So I think Clemson should maybe consider, I don't know, getting up with the times, using the transfer portal, maybe letting Garrett Riley, the offensive coordinator, do his job. The whole, like, I think there's a couple things here, right? And I I think they're – my takeaway here is, like, I think they have some issues within their program that are very correctable if they want to be corrected. If they want to be corrected, Dabo's or are you just going to go down, go down with the ship, you know, doing your thing the way that you do it. Like, uh, you know. yeah. And Dabo, Dabo's letting his ego get the best of them here, to say the least. And we'll have the NC State discussion because they deserve a lot of crap for how they played. Mm-hmm. But this is about Clemson. Like, they're in a spot now where they're four and four, well out of ACC title contention. They'll be lucky to make a bowl game. Uh, you know, they're closing stretch. They have Notre Dame. They have North Carolina. They have South Carolina. We know, no, no, we'll talk about North Carolina in a bit. We know they're Jekyll and Hyde, but like they're talented. Notre Dame is rolling. South Carolina is bad, but it's a rivalry game you lost at home last year to a better South Carolina team, I think, than the one that's on the field this year. But it goes without saying, it's a rivalry game. There's a non zero chance that Clemson does not make a bowl game. Mm-hmm. This is a was a national championship caliber program. They had been to three of them. They won two of them. They beat Nick Saban's Alabama twice. Like this, that was no fluke. Like they recruited the best talent in the country, and they got the most out of them. And now they're not getting the most out of those types of players anymore. They're not getting the difference makers at receiver on the recruiting trail 
or if they are, they're not developing them. And then on top of that, they're not using the transfer portal like the other top schools are. Adapt or die. Adapt or die. When your chief competition is using the transfer portal and you're not, Georgia has built their program, right? This program, mm-hmm. and, and I don't want to talk about Georgia too long because I don't want Joey to have an aneurysm, but Georgia has built a back-to-back national championship program based on incredible recruiting and using the transfer portal. They've done both. And they and mm-hmm. they they have a very good coaching staff. They have an elite coaching staff. They they're very good at developing their players. All that stuff that national championship caliber programs do. The kind of stuff that Clemson used to do. And they are getting the most out of everything at their disposal. Clemson is not. Clemson is playing with one arm tied behind their back by not using the transfer portal for no reason. There's no reason for them to do this, and they just continue to do it year over year. I thought that the Garrett Riley hire was a no-brainer. This guy was an offensive coordinator under Sonny Dykes. I don't care who, like, if we want to assign credit, because I know we were having this discussion, I think a week or two ago, Joey, about, like, Sonny Dykes probably deserves a lot of credit for getting TCU to national title game last year, right? But Garrett Riley was in that room, too. He's not an idiot. Like, Sonny Dykes handpicked him to be his OC. Like, he saw something in him. Dapo obviously saw something in Garrett Riley, but you got to let him do his thing. The stuff that Dabo keeps saying about we're merging Garrett Riley stuff with Clemson stuff, buddy, Clemson stuff wasn't working. That's why you had to bring him in. That's yeah. why you fired the last guy. Like, that's why you fired your longtime assistant who had been there with you through the through the thick and the thin. You fired him because the Clemson stuff wasn't working. And now you're bringing in Garrett Riley and you have to let him run his stuff. The stuff he keeps saying about, like, we're merging the two systems together doesn't make any sense on the surface. And by the way, this offense looks a lot like the Clemson offense we saw last year. And if I know anything, I know that Garrett Riley was not running an offense that looked this mid at TCU last year. Didn't look anything like this. Clemson's got good players on offense. They got good players. I don't know Mm -hmm. if Kate Clement's a good player. Like, we talked about that. I don't think he's very good. I don't think he's been well-developed. Uh... I don't I'm not sure he was really ready to play last year. And I, I certainly don't think he's ready for the position he's in this year. Eric McLean pointed that out on ACC Network. I thought it was a great point. He was probably thrust into a position he wasn't ready for last year, right? Mm-hmm. When they kind of cast DJU away. And now he's in this position this year where he wasn't really well developed a year ago with the old scheme, old system. Now he's in this new system and he's just not there. He's not a finished product. He yeah. has some good moments, but he's got a lot of bad moments too. Mm-hmm. I just Clemson is just fundamentally broken in how they're running their program, and it just doesn't have to be like this. It, this is a very easy fix if you want to make it. Let Garrett Riley coach the offense. If he doesn't end up being the guy, get rid of him. Cut bait again. And then, on top of it, use the transfer portal. If you don't want to do that, then that's fine, but you're going to be at least a half step, maybe a full step behind the teams you're you're supposed to be competing against national championships for. I, I do want to call out, I mean, we're talking about them being broken. We're spe- I think we're specifically talking about the offense here. Right, I mean, the like, defense can't do it. The defense can't do anything else. I mean, they're, they're yeah, they're doing as they're much exhausted. as they could be asked to do. I mean, y- you lost a game in which you gave up 200 yards of offense. Like, th- there was a pick six in there, so like, it, the defense wasn't even responsible for giving up all of these points. You know, they they basically gave up 17 points, um, and and really most of what NC State did on offense in this game was like two long busted plays, basically, where you know Clemson's defense blinks once. 
And that's, you know, that's all of a sudden like almost costing them the game. Like that's not a good way to go about building a team and trying to win games is expecting your defense to just not make any mistakes ever. And if they make one or two mistakes, then that's, that's going to cost you. Um, right. Yeah. This is, it's, this is, it's frustrating to watch, honestly. Like, and it's the, the thing, I mean, part of it is schematically and we talk about, you know, oh, they're going to merge the systems or he's going to partially run some of the, the Clemson offense. Dude, the, the quote unquote Clemson offense is pretty much what uh, oh, Chad Morris put in back in like 2011. And like, I don't know that I can look around the, the entire country and find you a team and offense that has been doing basically the same stuff for 12 years and still works really well. Yeah. Like at some point, yeah. you know, people catch up at some point you need to adapt what you're doing and they're not, they haven't really done that. Yeah. And if it looked really good for a while, well, yeah, because you had Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence playing quarterback and those guys will make everybody look good. And, and, you know, it's, but you just can't bank on that. I mean, DJU five-star quarterback, uh, Clay, Kate Klubnick, five-star quarterback. They ain't that generational level of talent. And this is what happens it yeah. is it's, it's just stale and ineffective. Um, I do want to call out here too, by the way, something, and I think this is something that did kind of change the game a little bit is uh, Will Shipley got knocked out of this game. I think it was early in the second quarter, basically. Uh, it took a really nasty hit. It was, it was basically trying to go in. Uh, he was, he's on like the one yard line, trying to go into the, uh, into the end zone and try to score and just kind of got spun around and, and was hit from behind and kind of a scary looking uh, way. I was, I was worried it was like a neck injury or, or something. Sounds like he's in the concussion protocol. He was down for a while. Um, I, we don't know his status yet, but it 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 didn't look good, and yeah. that really only I think compounded some things because uh, he I mean he's the best player on that offense. Full stop. Yeah. And you know when you you replace him with Phil Maffa, it it there's just something that, that gets lost there uh, when when Will Shipley's not out there. So I think that was that was a piece of this. Uh, but as as you said, and, and as there's been a couple of, of comments here already in the in the chat, is like huge credit to NC State's defense because yeah. I think they kept them in this game, and they were the reason that that, that NC State was able to win. Uh, I mentioned the the pick six from Peyton Wilson. Uh, these guys were getting after Cade Klubnick, making him uncomfortable. Uh, just I, I was really impressed with the Wolfpack defense, and and have continued to be as their offense is is it's a struggle from week to week. It has not been all that great for most of this year. Uh, and this, and today, again, they, they only rack up 200 yards of offense and 17 points on offense. Uh, but that defense does not stop. They keep playing and, and they are physical and they're, they're well coached and they just do a really good job. So um, I, I just wanted to call that out. I was really impressed with how their defense played, especially. And MJ Morris, like his stats don't look fantastic, right? 11 of 20, 138, two touchdowns. He made some big time throws in this game he made some big time throws yep, yep so nc state's offense did not look phenomenal but they did just enough and when you're playing a clemson offense that's just you know uh, the will shipley injury was gigantic mm -hmm. right but nc state has been very good defensively all year so this was not very surprising that nc state was able to put this together here i picked clemson on the preview and i did the reason why i did that was because i thought mj morris would turn the ball over here he's kind of been a little bit of a turnover machine since he took over a starting quarterback job and i thought that he might have some more issues against his clemson defense than he had but he took care of the football he didn't do a ton but he made a couple of big time throws obviously had the two touchdown passes 
but he navigated things well, I thought, against a very good Clemson defense. And he did not turn the ball over at the clip I thought he would. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clemson was not in a lot of short fields in this game, obviously. And this offense just struggles to move the ball in general. So, yeah, a lot of credit to NC State here, especially defensively. And I think offensively, they did just enough. Kevin Concepcion had a good game, right? He, both running and receiving, made a couple of really big plays. I was going to call it, he had two plays that constituted over half of NC State's offense on the day. Yeah. He had a 50-yard run, and he had a 72-yard touchdown catch. Yeah. For 100 and... 122 yards on a day that they finished the game with 202 yards of offense. Um, yeah. Two huge plays from him. Yeah. And Dennis 133. NC State had only 202 yards of offense, most of which was on two plays. Those are games you just have to win if you're a Clemson. Not only that, those are games Clemson used to win by multiple scores. Mm-hmm. Multiple scores. No problem. Uh, so that tells you everything you need to know, I think. Yep. One other thing I wanted to mention before we move on to another game, and I don't, I don't know how much people saw this, but – uh, at the end of this game, in the in the post game on on the field, Dave Doran uh, got to cut a little bit of a promo, and it was fantastic. Uh, we've got the audio for you. So the first thing you're going to hear is uh, Steve Smith, uh, former Panthers receiver. Uh, I guess he's a Utah alumnus. He was on as the guest picker for College Game Day. He lives in Charlotte, and you know is is a Carolina guy. You know, so I think that's some of where this this came in, but. Uh, he, he made a couple of remarks, I, I guess, about NC State, and it seems like NC State noticed and did not take too kindly to them, uh, which is now how you're going to get Dave Doran's response. So uh, first thing, Steve Smith. Second thing, Dave Doran, here you go. Look, Clemson has been struggling. They're not the, the Clemson we've yeah. loved over the years. But NC State, unfortunately, they're waiting for basketball to start. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. You're right. Uh, tell Steve Smith in the studio, this ain't a basketball school. He can kiss my ass. <laughs> Kiss my ass. Double down on those comments in the post game, by the way, Dave Dorn. Yeah, go get them, Dave. I, I love that. Yeah, double More down on this. this. Yeah, basically, press conference after the game, double down on those on field comments that he made, like immediately following the win, basically saying that Steve Smith shouldn't be talking out of his ass for things he hasn't done research on. He which, can shove those comments wherever they belong, I think was yeah, the, the exact phrase. Was the exact phrase, yeah, which is just chef's kiss. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. Bravo, Dave Doran. Man, I can't get over how much I I just I don't think Kate Klubnik's very good. Uh, some not, of the a couple of the yeah. throws I saw him make, man, like there was one. It looked like a guy who's like I, I don't know if he's got the yips or what it was, but it, it's like one of those things where if you just if you kind of can't get get it right trying to throw the ball, where you're like now you get to where you're overthinking like every little movement, and it's it stops looking smooth. It starts looking very like mechanical and wrong and like he tried like tried to like almost push the ball out at one point and it just i don't know man it whatever they're doing with him from a coaching standpoint it ain't working we talked about his interception that he had against miami where it looked like he was trying to like (laughs) he was trying to like hold the ball after he knew it was a bad decision it was like he was like i want that back like immediately as he threw it yep yep he does a lot of that he does yeah i i think he is i mean obviously a very talented guy like top quarterback in the country out of high school this was obviously a very highly touted recruit. Clemson still gets those, right? I mentioned that. They still get those guys. They're just not developing them. And I I, I just think that Eric McLean comment that he made on ACC Network, that really stuck with me, you know, that mm-hmm. he's just not developed. He's not a finished product. And I think that's true, but he kind of needs to be now. <laughs> that's 
the way it is. He yep. kind of needs to just figure it out, unfortunately. And a lot of that comes down to coaching, which I don't think he's getting enough of. Yep. Yep. Uh, NC State 24, Clemson 17. Uh, let's let's get this one out of the way here because uh, there's a nice little transition. So Clemson not using the transfer portal very well, right? Uh, one team who is in the heat of the college football playoff race is using it extremely well. They have two of their top weapons on their offense that are a product of the transfer portal and Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman. Mm-hmm. Florida State 41, Wake Forest 16. I think this will be a pretty quick discussion here, mm-hmm. but... I've been really impressed with Florida State the last two weeks in particular, right? How Florida State looked against Duke. They were engaged early on. Sure, they weren't playing their best, right? You know, Duke was kind of pulling out all the stops and made a couple big plays early in that game. Um, Obviously, having that pick six set things up early. But Florida State kind of put pedal to the metal and put Duke away when they had the opportunity. Same thing happened here. I mean, Florida State just kind of sat on Wake Forest, and then just they were on cruise control. It went exactly how we thought. Yeah. Wake Forest first half drive chart. Five plays punt, three and out, three and out, seven plays touchdown, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, end of half. That's a whole lot of not moving the ball on that offense. And and you'll gas your defense real quickly. Yeah. Uh Wake average less than four yards per play here. So it's just not three for not 14 on third downs. Yeah, not great. Yeah, a um, lot of really bad statistics here yeah. for Wake Forest. You mentioned Florida State. I think the, the word that I heard describing, I think it was the win against Duke last weekend, was uh, professional. It was very like methodical and just, uh, you know, they didn't mess around. They just take care of business here. Um, that, that's definitely the word that comes to mind here. I, I don't know that that it wasn't as cut and dry and easy last week against Duke, but here, you know, they just go out and take care of business here and put the game away early. Um, so it, it's nice if you're in Florida state's uh, shoes, not having to really worry about this as you go out for the second half out of halftime. Um, so credit to the Knowles. I, you know, wake is wakes trying. They're real bad. They're not, they're not very good this year. We and, can't say this a lot about Dave Kloss and coach teams either, but they are just really, really bad this year. Yep. Yeah. This is, I don't know. This is just like a gap year kind of thing. Like, I don't know. Speaking of a team that might benefit from using the transfer portal a little bit. Um, now it, it's, it, it is tricky with a number of these ACC schools is they are still schools and some of the transfer requirements to get people into school can be kind of restrictive. And, and as we've talked about before, it's like, it's easier to get guys out of those schools than into those schools. Um, so that's that's a little bit of a problem. And, you know, the other thing, too, is that uh, this Dave Clawson program has historically been built on, again, high school recruiting and then redshirting. And you've got a bunch of third, fourth and fifth year players uh, that you're really are making up the bulk of your playing time. And um, that that kind of clashes with, again, taking transfers from other programs. And it, it's just kind of a different learning curve and different integrating them into the team. So. Yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily the fix or what what you're going to do, but it feels like you got to do something, or, or or maybe we just consider that this year is just kind of a lost year. Maybe that's all it is. I don't know. Philip Glass, the nation does not know that Norvell put second, third teasers in early, and a lot early in the year. He's playing the long game. I know that Phil meant second, third teamers, but I didn't know that Mike Norvell was using BetUS. <laughs> 
America's Excellent. favorite online sports book. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Florida State 41, Wake Forest 16. I think that's I think that's all I got here. Yeah. yeah. I don't have a Real lot. Quick. This is cut and dry. Real quick, but we had a transition there. Yep. Let's go back to Thursday night. Let's do it. Crack my knuckles. <laughs> Virginia Tech 38, Syracuse 10. Yo, Syracuse. Syracuse. Let's talk about the Syracuse side first real fast. Syracuse. This was embarrassing. Yeah. This is, this is this is embarrassing. All right. Mm-hmm. Like Virginia Tech's playing some good football over the last month or so. They're they're playing a lot better. They're looking a lot more confident with Kyron Jones and all that. But this this was a pathetic performance. 0 for yeah. 9 on third down, like didn't convert a third down the entire game. Uh non-sack adjusted had zero rush yards. Sack adjusted averaged just over three yards per carry. Really, really bad here by Syracuse. Garrett Schrader totally overwhelmed. Eight sacks by the Hokies here offensive line just didn't show up to play buddy buddy this yeah. this is this is rough do you know they come look on like man. They, they weren't prepared to play like, they looked from the jump t- totally unprepared right on the money just totally unprepared virginia tech left very little doubt which is look really hard to do i, I mentioned that virginia tech's 106 that you know they're in their three conference wins outscoring opponents 106 44 i mentioned that in the rapid reaction at the beginning of the show but like to to put a team away in the first half is something that Virginia Tech has just really not been able to do in like the last five years is to really put games away against ACC competition that early. Again, yeah, you talk about like the easy second half, like you just got nothing to worry about. Like game's over, right? Un- unreal. Like I, this was the most complete performance by Virginia Tech offense, defense, and special teams I have seen at least in the last five years. Mm-hmm. And so really impressive by the Hokies too. But Syracuse, man, <laughs> what are... What are we doing? Like, what's what's the game plan? There, there's no shame in losing. And, and Joey, you mentioned this in, in the Rapid React. There's no shame in losing to a North Carolina, to, to a Florida State, right? Having three really tough conference games, losing to, to Clemson, right? Which they just out-talent you everywhere. Mm-hmm. There, there's no shame in losing those games. There is shame in losing a game to a rebuilding team by 28 points on the road. You were totally non-competitive here. Yeah. I mean, the first the first four possessions for Syracuse in the first half were three and outs. The fifth possession, you got one first down and then punted. Like, you can't come out and start that way. Five straight drives that you you end up getting one first down collectively out of and, and no points. Like, that's that's not okay. Like, you're already down. I think by the time that they got a second first down in this game, they were down 23 to nothing. Like this, embarrassing. Yeah, this is a this is not even this is not a crock potting. This is like a flash fry situation. Like Virginia Tech put this game away instantly, and we can also probably have a little bit of the discussion of uh, Syracuse kicking the field goal down twenty three to nothing, <laughs> uh, <laughs> middle of the second quarter, like even like late in the second quarter. I mean. I, it's fourth and seven. You're on like the 25 yard line. So you're not that close to scoring a touchdown. But with the, with the way that this is going, are you trying to win the game? Or are you just trying to make sure you get some points on the board and you don't get shut out or something like that? I mean, it's, I, I don't really understand. That did not give you a chance to win. That just gave you a chance to not have a goose egg on the board. Whatever momentum they were trying to steal was immediately just extinguished because Virginia Tech then went 75 yards in about six or less plays and scored a touchdown six, yeah. to go up 33. Yeah. So. yeah. 
Yeah. And then Syracuse goes three and out again. Like <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Just really, really bad. Uh, I think Virginia Tech is competent. Like I mm-hmm. it's really fun to talk about Virginia Tech in the realm of like ACC championship game. It's just preposterous. It's very funny. But like mm-hmm. the Hokies are the, the Hokies just opened as a 12 point underdog on the road at Louisville. Like that's that's not going to be an easy game to win. Like Louisville is a much more finished product. I know they're in a first year coach situation too, but in terms of talent on the roster, they're just in a better position right now than Virginia Tech is. That's going to be a very tough game for Virginia Tech. I yeah. still think so right now, I would be very, very surprised if Virginia Tech did not make a bowl game. They they close with NC State, Boston College, and UVA. I think they win at least two of those, even if they lose to Syracuse. I'm sorry, lose to lose to Louisville. I think they win at least two of those last three. It would be very, very surprising if they finished this year five and seven mm-hmm. or, you know, lost the last four. I mean, that, that would be very shocking. Yeah. Uh, so I still think Virginia Tech wins a bowl game, but I still think or, or goes to a bowl game. But I think the most likely outcome here still for Virginia Tech is two and two down the stretch only because mm-hmm. NC State shown to be feisty, good defense, Boston College on the road in Chestnut Hill. Virginia Tech always has a hard time in Chestnut Hill playing B.C., and then UVA, we'll talk about them in a couple minutes, but they're trending in a good direction. I don't know if that amounts to anything. Virginia Tech's own that rivalry. I think Virginia Tech is still the better team there. Right. But, you know, I don't think this is like a slam dunk, 3-1, and 4-0 finish by any stretch of the imagination. But this is this yeah. is good stuff. Good stuff by Virginia Tech, no doubt about it. Yeah. Much better position than they were in at this time a month ago. So, mm-hmm. yeah, credit where crest do. Credit where crest do. No doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, the Hokies have won three out of four and have looked good in each of those three wins. The only loss coming to Florida State, who, you know, is looking like they're going to be the, the best team in the ACC. By far. And it might not, yeah, it might not even be close. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm i impressed. This has gone a little bit quicker than I thought it was going to for Virginia Tech. I thought this was maybe still going to be another tough kind of uh, rebuilding year a little bit. And that's where I think I maybe had picked them to go like four and eight, something like that. I thought it was this this is a tough year. And then next year I thought was really kind of where the thing maybe starts to take off. Uh, but I'm, I'm impressed with the Hokies and with Brent Pry, And, and I think they're in a good spot right now. And, and I, I agree. We'll, we'll get to the Louisville game on the preview. That's, that's not going to be an easy spot at all. And I think there's a reason that Virginia tech has momentum and just is coming off a blowout win. And now it's going to be a double digit underdog. Like, yeah. I kind of think Louisville's got something pretty good going there too. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but we'll get, we'll get to that. But in any, I mean, in any case, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I right now, I, I would be surprised if Virginia Tech doesn't make a bowl game. Like I, I think they will go at least two and two down the stretch, uh, if not maybe three and one. But that that might be a little bit more of a stretch. So right, I agree. We'll see. Um, I don't know what the answer is here for Syracuse. Man, like this, I cannot overstate like how disappointing of a performance this was. Um, they're coming off a of bye week. And you figured maybe it was just a, a sign of, again, Clemson, North Carolina, Florida State. Like we talked about it with uh, uh, with Emily Liker in the in the preseason it was like, you're going to you're going to lose these battles. Make sure you don't lose the war. And I don't know if th- those games like mentally broke this team or what. But like, you know, this is a three point spread in the game that you lost by four touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, that's that's alarming, to say the least. It is, it is definitely alarming, and 
Yeah, and as again, Hokies have improved a lot. Syracuse has fallen off a cliff. Injuries have hurt them, really show their lack of depth, which is something we mentioned on the preview for this game, right? Like, what was Syracuse going to look like, you know, coming off of a bye and, you know, maybe getting themselves healthy? And I, this is kind of what they had to show for it. It just wasn't very good. Uh, I mean, Virginia Tech having eight sacks and 12 tackles for loss. Syracuse was just non-competitive up front. Yeah. It's you're not going to win a lot of games like that when you can't protect your quarterback and you're not really that good at running the football, right? right. You're not going to win a lot of games that way. And I thought Syracuse's secondary actually I thought held up pretty well early. I thought Kyron Drones didn't look fantastic early in the game and mm-hmm. then connected on a big time throw to Daquan Felton down the sideline. Uh, in the second quarter that really kind of jump-started things. That was a nice throw. Really good throw, and Felton had a couple touchdowns. Uh, Tyler Bowen, offensive coordinator, has been really good. Chris Marv, defensive coordinator, really improved over the last month. Linebacker and and defensive line plays really improved. Been a big reason for a turnaround, but impressed by the Hokies here. But, yeah, Syracuse is kind kind of lost. They have, you know, four games remaining. I think they can still make a bowl game given who's on the schedule, but like, I don't think it's a slam dunk, man. Like not with the way this thing's looking right now. And I, I would not, not playing like this. They're not going to a bowl game. I would probably bet against it. If I had, you know, gun to my head tomorrow, I, I'm probably betting against this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Boston college pit at Georgia tech wake forest is not the most daunting stretch. Like, is it with what we saw from Syracuse earlier in the year? Is it unreasonable to think that they could go two and two and make a bowl game? It's not like they, they absolutely could, mm-hmm. um, but they could also lose any or all of those games. Yeah. And that would be over, by the way, if they lost all of them, that'd be over in the ACC. And man, that would I, be a tough look for, for Dino and that staff. Like, I think that's a wrap. I think that would be a wrap, you know? Yeah especially with the way the last year ended. I mean, what was it like lost six out of seven down the stretch yeah. last year. And it's, I, I understand that there are challenges with that roster and depth and that kind of thing, but it's, it's just hard to accept that. Like when you get to October, all of a sudden this team is done winning games for the year. Like, yeah. Yeah. They're really going to be, accept. they're coaching for their jobs in the month of November. I think they might be. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think this is a bowl game or uh figure might something be, else out might be might be bowl game or coaching change i'm with you i think i'm yep. with you yep virginia tech 38 syracuse 10 uh let's talk about virginia tech's next opponent louisville louisville mm-hmm. 23 duke nothing and i mentioned this on the on the reaction at the at the front end of this podcast i think that elko made a miscalculation with riley leonard's health mm-hmm. against florida state and i think it's putting duke in a really really precarious situation and yeah, I mean, there's, it's, it's kind of an interesting discussion to have of like, who, who's at fault there? Or like, you know, yeah. what kind of blame do you give? Because right. I don't get the impression that Riley Leonard was, uh, was trying to hold back and saying, you know, I, I really don't think I should be playing here. I, I think Riley Leonard's right. begging to play and trying to do everything he can to be out there. But I mean, just watching this game, like he wasn't right. And there was, there was mm-hmm. a lot of just weird, like footing footwork stuff that, I mean, it was like every time he starts scrambling a little bit, I was like holding my breath, like thinking he was going to roll his ankle or something yeah. like that. Like he, he, he was not right at and, all. And in Elko's defense, like he needs Leonard to play. I mean, Henry Belen, yeah. he's been in, he's not been good. They didn't and, even put him in, in this game. They put in Grayson Loftus. <laughs> right. And, and Duke's and Duke's offense is so Riley Leonard 
dependent mm-hmm. with his with his rushing ability, especially because he's a fine passer. He's a competent passer, but he's not like they're, they're not going to move the ball through the air if his ankle's not right. The last two games have proved it, right? Yeah. And, and granted, they played Florida State a week ago, right? I get that, but yeah, man, this is. I, I agree with you. I. I think there's blame to be assigned here a little bit on both sides. I think Elko knows that he needs Leonard in there because his team just really doesn't have a chance to win without him. Mm-hmm. But I think on the flip side, like you have to kind of, you know, swallow your pride a little bit and Elko's do playing the right long game. Kid. Do what's right for the kid and also like do what's right for your program. And Elko would never say out loud that he's coaching for other jobs. And I don't think it would be fair, obviously a team he's coaching now, but if Duke puts on a, a real good showing against Florida State and almost wins with a backup quarterback, I mean, we're talking about Elko maybe not being long for the Duke job anyway, just because he's proven that he can turn things around really quickly at a program like Duke. Mm-hmm. So he could probably do it some, you know, elsewhere with more resources, right? So he's going to be on a lot of job boards anyway. Whether or not he wants to or would leave Duke, his name is going to come up with some Everywhere. places that are going to spend massive money. Everywhere. Hiring a new coach everywhere. And, and you know, some places where he's been before, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. if A&M were to pull the trigger on Jimbo and A&M just won, you know, impressive. They, they, they beat the hell out of South Carolina. Okay. But like yeah. if they decided to pull the plug on Jimbo, Elko's name is certainly going to come up there where he used to coach. So yeah, that that's the Duke side. The Louisville side is their defense is sick. <laughs> They're they were playing with their hair on fire in this game. And it's not just it's not just this game. Like they have been playing well. Mm-hmm. And this isn't just like, oh, Duke was one hand tied behind their back because they were. But Louisville's defense is legit. Like they're yeah. they're good. This is the best Louisville defense we've seen, I think, since probably what Jair Alexander was there. Probably. Um, which yeah, was probably. 2017, 2018. Yeah. Like yeah, five or six years. I remember the conversations that we had of like their defense with him on the field versus off the field is like a totally different situation. Yeah. Ever since then, it feels like that defense has been like average at best, like yeah. average on a good day, and you know, usually not that good. But yeah, this defense, I don't know exactly what they've done, but that unit is performing really, really well. Um, and, and I I was really impressed with Louisville in this game in particular. Like they that defense really felt like it just kept Duke from doing anything at all on offense. Um, I, I, I can't overstate like it is impressive shutting out another team, especially in conference play, and especially a, a team that is uh, is ranked and is as good and competent as we've seen Duke be. I, I am I was really impressed with Louisville's defense, especially. Interesting question. Duke first week on Thursday. Do you play Leonard? I don't think you need him. I don't think you need him. Is it a weird look if it's like, if Leonard is like a break glass in case of emergency thing of like, you don't start him, but maybe he comes in after halftime or something. If that game isn't going very well, or I don't know. I don't know what the right answer to that is. And assuming that he he's in a similar physical position to, you know, going into this Louisville game of not quite healthy, but not, uh, you know, not so hurt that he can't play. You know, he's definitely limited, could injure it worse. I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is there. 
Yeah, and, and that's a good point, too. People like to compare the beginning of the Elko and Pry tenures, right? Elko had the quarterback, Pry didn't with Grant Wells. Mm-hmm. Seeing how important that dynamic quarterback makes, and I think that's a really good point, right? Because Virginia Tech trending in a good direction right now with, with a healthy Kyron Drones, and we see Duke kind of trending in that opposite direction with Leonard's health not being where it should be. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, this was this was kind of an easy game for Louisville. After they, I think they scored touchdowns on what, their first two drives or two of their first three. Um, again, Jawar Jordan back in the lineup. He ran really hard. He has been really good for them this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, Louisville, first two, first two drives, 10 plays touchdown, six plays touchdown. Um, and at that point, it, it really never felt like Duke was going to be able to get much going and, and threaten in this game. It was, I mean, again, they had nine first downs, two of 12 on third downs, 0 for 2 on fourth downs, 200 yards of offense. Um, Duke did have one turnover that, that – uh, wasn't a great interception from Riley Leonard to that point. I, I, I'm not sure the last time I saw a great interception from a quarterback, but you know, at any point it, 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 he threw one. Um, yeah. Yeah. What a, what a performance from Louisville. The one thing I'm being really wary of here was I don't think that this was big game. Jeff Brom. Like, I think this was uh, I mean, they're favored at home, right? Like that's, that's not a that's not a big like you know Purdue upsetting Ohio State situation. That's not a big uh, Louisville upsetting Notre Dame situation. So we're not going to get the letdown when Virginia Tech comes in next week, right? Right. All I'm saying is, if you got Virginia Tech plus twelve, good for you because I think that number is going to go down quite a bit. Mm. I don't know. Uh, the other thought that I had during this game, and I I think we should probably at least mention this is Louisville's offense. I, I think if you were to replace Jack Plummer with like a, a legitimate good quarterback, like Kane's King. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, some days, some days, yes. Other days, no, but yeah, like what we saw last night, if, if that Haynes King was playing for this Louisville team, I think this is like a top 10 offense in the country. Like, yeah, I think so. I really yeah. like their skill guys. I really like their offensive line. Like they, they do a lot of things really well. And I think Jack Plummer is kind of the guy that is, uh, is holding them back. So, and, and by the way, I, I was talking to my dad about this today and, and, you know, we'd been calling him Jag Plummer and he was like, okay, so what does that mean? Jag, just a guy, just a right? guy. That's very, it's not like, it's not slang for the kids. It's just, you know, he's just a guy. He's just an average player. He's not very good. Not very bad. It's just, just a guy. Yeah. I, yeah, we'll see if that comes to roost at some point. Yeah. I wonder if Duke plays things a little bit differently now as well, now that they've got a second loss in conference and might be out of the conference championship race. And at that point, do you, do you play things a little bit more conservatively from a personnel standpoint? I think you should with your sophomore quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, especially in, and you know, we're talking about wake on a short week. You play North, you play North Carolina in Chapel Hill a week from Saturday. That, hmm. That's, that's a game that that's a game that's going to matter to Duke a little bit more. I think than than playing wake forest. Yeah. Uh, we could talk about the whole rivalry and the triangle and all that the stuff. Battle wake for forest. the victory bill. Right. We could talk about all that, but Duke should be able to win this football game with the way Wake Forest has looked without Riley Leonard. So I would consider resting him and getting him ready for North Carolina. Yep. I, I think that's a totally valid point, and I don't disagree with you. Yeah. 
Louisville 23, Duke nothing. The time has um, come, Joey. Impressed with Louisville. Yeah. What time is it, Mike? <laughs> Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech 46. North Carolina 42. They can I just again. can I just make a quick comment before I just kind of see the floor to I you? am the smartest man alive. Because you and I again, like we mentioned earlier, we 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 told you. Like, told with you. confidence, we told you. We should have just locked this up. It was yeah, silly for us not to. We told you to bet at Moneyline. Consider betting at Moneyline, I think, were exact words of you and I. Because if you're going to just bet them to cover, I wish I took my own advice because I didn't bet the Moneyline. I just bet them to cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not take my own advice. But the, the one thing I'll say here about North Carolina is like this, this was a Mac Brown masterpiece. Oh, yeah. This is just what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, you lose a hard-fought game against a Virginia team that had no business being in the same stadium as you. Mm-hmm. And then the following week, you just put down a piss-poor, really soft performance against a team that's feisty. Georgia Tech, if they're nothing, if not a little bit feisty. They'll play up to their competition. They'll play up to competition. And I'll tell you what, really bad spot. North Carolina after just laying an egg against Virginia mm-hmm. and it's just it it really speaks to it speaks to the fact that Mac Brown and his staff since he's kind of done this whole second tenure at North Carolina they simply have not been able to get the most out of their players they've been always recruiting at a really high level they are wasting two of the best quarterbacks in school history by the way and Sam Howell and now Drake May just totally yeah. wasting their talent yep uh, Washington I mean, Commanders legend Sam Howell that's right. Washington Commanders sledge through 400 yards today. Uh, and a losing effort. In a losing effort, mm-hmm. which, you know, speaking of which, Drake May, <clears throat> excuse me, in a losing effort, uh, 17 of 25 for 310 yards and two touchdowns, a little bit better than he's been recently. Actually, he's thrown for more yards recently, but yeah, a little bit more efficient. He didn't turn football. it over like he. Yeah, he was very efficient. He was good. But yeah, I mean, make make no mistake about it. I was wrong. Hand up, Joey. I was wrong about the North Carolina defense being improved. Yep. No, likewise. I agree. I was wrong. If you go to gameonpaper.com, recommend that you do. <laughs> Gives you like advanced stats. They have the uh, crying Jordan meme for North Carolina. Uh, <laughs> the logo oh, on the game. Yeah. Really on brand. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I you mean, saw that I tweeted this out. Did, if you were watching this game, you probably noticed like early in the fourth quarter, I think Georgia Tech had a drive and I, I tweeted it out that they basically, they, they just went hurry up, ran it right down North Carolina's throats. Uh, it was like nine, 10 plays, just boom, 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 boom. Like, I don't know if they even saw a third down on that drive, uh, punched it in. Tim Hasselbeck at one point, the color commentator is is talking about how man North Carolina's defense is exhausted here. It's like, North Carolina's defense was not on the field almost at all in the third quarter. They, they've only been on the field for like 20 minutes of this game. If they're exhausted, they're just poorly conditioned. Like this yeah. is not a – they haven't really been stressed for a lot of this game. How are they exhausted, Tim? Right. And we'll talk about all the good with Georgia Tech, right, offensively, because there was a lot of good. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's not like Georgia Tech put like this banner defensive performance together, obviously. Oh, no. That's – yeah, we'll talk about that. But – but – uh, North Carolina gave up 8.17 yards per play in this game. 
Now, Georgia Tech gave up 8.11 yards per play, right? So they're pretty even in terms of how poorly a defense is played. Mm-hmm. But for North Carolina, a unit that we had thought, at least in the early part of the season, was really showing some signs of improvement. Nope. Yeah, that, that has regressed over the last couple of weeks, especially. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really happy for Georgia Tech. That was I, I had a lot of fun watching that game. That was a, a hell of a way to win. I was really impressed. They they went down 14 to nothing almost instantly. They could have quit. They could have folded. They did not. Uh, I think there were there were two other occasions, maybe like separate scores that you saw on the scoreboard uh, during this game that they Tech was down double digits. They had every chance to fold and, and to quit on this game, and they never did. I um, was really impressed by that. We, we mentioned Dante Smith, 22 carries for 178 and a score. Um, I, where has he been? I don't know. I don't know if he's been banged up. I don't know if there's something else going on with you know him and the coaching staff. I don't know what it is. But, man, when he's in the game, he is a he is really good. He's really, really good. Yeah. There is a reason Section 103 has one of his jerseys, and it's it's him in particular. Like, he, he is a hell of a ball player. And, um, you know, between him and Jamal Haynes, I thought that it's I – don't, I don't want to be mean to number zero, uh, Trey Cooley, but I don't, I don't really know why Trey Cooley would be in the game if you've got Dante Smith uh, healthy, you know. And yeah. so I, I thought you saw a lot of that from him here. I thought the physicality of Georgia Tech's offense really in particular was what what made a big difference here. I mean, they absolutely punched North Carolina in the mouth, especially there in the fourth quarter. And I, I don't think it was an exhaustion thing for North Carolina's defense. I just don't think that they were ready to be physical on the level that they needed to be to match what Georgia Tech started throwing at them. Um, and so that was just, again, really impressed with Tech's offense, especially. Haynes King, I thought, played one of his very best games uh, that we've seen him play. He had the one bad mistake. Uh, they they blocked a punt from North Carolina fairly early in the, in the second half. And uh, they, they go out and they're going to run a shot play, which I totally agree with. But basically it ends up being like a two-man pattern, like only two guys out in, in to, to receive. And Haynes King throws a ball into triple coverage. Yeah. Like down the field. It's like, dude, you can't make that throw. And, and Hasselbeck came back on the broadcast and showed like if he had thrown it to the other receiver, he was open. It might have been a touchdown. Like, yeah. Wrong so guy. there was that one bad decision. But otherwise, King was good. Uh, he made good decisions throwing it. I thought him running the ball also was a huge difference maker here. Uh, the fact it's, it's like when when these opposing defenses have to respect the, the legs of Haynes King, this offense runs a lot more smoothly. So yeah. Uh, more of that, if possible, please. Um, really fun game. Uh, by the way, this was homecoming. This was uh, the Paul Johnson uh, College Football Hall of Fame induction, like honoring game. Like they pulled out a lot of stops here. Um, the crowd was really engaged. You know, really, really good environment there, from what I can tell. So I, you know, tons of fun. Really happy for the guys. Yeah, Tech's defense still uh, problematic. And yeah. I, I mentioned it. There, I think there were two separate. North Carolina touchdowns that were scored on plays where when the ball was snapped, you had mainly linebackers, but some secondary players too, kind of like looking around, trying to get people's attention, trying to figure out what's going on, who's doing what, like what's the plan here. They just, they, they weren't lined up. Yeah. They couldn't get lined up. And, and that happened a handful of times throughout this game. And every time they were getting gashed for either big yards or a touchdown afterwards. And yeah. that's the thing that I, I don't understand why that is so difficult to just get lined up and if it's if it's speed then you just got to go as vanilla as vanilla gets 
and and make it to where you don't even have to make calls from the from the sideline or something if it's going to take that long to where you just can't make good plays. Like, I don't know. I don't get that. It was happening on some non-scoring plays too. I was texting, you know, texting you about this during the game. Yeah, just really consistent and not getting lined up. So they mm-hmm. got to clean that up for sure. Yep. Um, I thought one of the one of the best plays of the night was uh, Amari Harvey absolutely just drilling Tez Walker uh, to force that fumble. Um, Tez ends up – I think he ended up going to the hospital, getting checked out, and uh, it sounds like he he made it back to Chapel Hill today. So, you know, nothing – not too big a deal, I, I guess, for him, but we'll have to monitor his status. Um, that could have been broken rib. It could have been, you know, yeah. any, any number of things from uh, just – pure like blunt force contact um it was a totally clean hit like it, it was. was there was no helmet to helmet no nothing um it was just just a violent physical hit from amari harvey to jar that ball loose and that was uh, that was a huge deal and and i'll mention this too is i was really impressed at that moment so tech gets the ball back and there's like maybe like three and a half minutes left i think carolina had at least two of their timeouts and and I was I was talking to my uh, my big brother from the fraternity, a good friend last night. He called me after the game. We were talking about it for a minute. I, I told him I was like, "Yeah." At that moment, I looked down at the clock. I see, oh, Tech just got the ball back, and I'm like, I have seen this movie before. Mm-hmm. They're gonna maybe get like one first down. They're gonna punt it. Carolina's gonna go down. They're gonna score. And they're gonna win the game. Like, I, I I'm an Atlanta sports fan. I'm scarred. I've I've seen this all before. Uh, that did not happen. No. Carolina never got the ball back after that. Tech was able to get a couple of first downs and uh, run out the clock, and uh, they they end the game in victory formation. Shout out to Mario! So I just you know really excited for for Georgia Tech. What a win! And um, dude, what a just a bizarre bizarre month of October it has been for this team. Um, I I have no idea what to expect from them <laughs> over the final four weeks. I mean, you're going to tell me that they can't beat Virginia, Clemson, and or Syracuse, like? I'd I'd go ahead and win two out of the next three. Is what I would do. I, <laughs> That's what I would do. Sign up tell for me some that, more weirdness next week uh, on the CW at Virginia. Yeah, I think Virginia is a two point favorite, which is a good sign for Georgia Tech on the CW. Yeah, I, I would say very good sign. Uh, we'll talk about it, but you know, Atlanta being a house of horrors for North Carolina, Charlottesville is a house of horrors for Georgia Tech. Um, mm-hmm. Historically, have played very poorly there. So there's that. Yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> I am uh, I don't know what I'm going to do picking that game. So we'll uh, we'll get there. But wrong team, wrong team's favorite. But could be. Yeah. I mean, who who the hell knows what Georgia Tech team's going to show up? You know. So yeah. Well, that that's true. And Virginia might be improving. Should we go there now? Uh, we can. One other thing I wanted to mention here, and I want to get this right. There was a tweet from Bill Conley about Georgia Tech that really <laughs> illustrates kind of where we're at here. Yep. So just to be clear, and, and when I say like very inconsistent team, he tweeted this in the middle of the game, so not even with the final stats basically in hand. Said in the final in the last four games, Georgia Tech has overachieved SP plus projections by twenty eight point six points underachieved by 29.7 points, overachieved by 26.9 points, and underachieved by 24.4 points. And it said they're currently overachieving by 16.7 in this game. So, like, they, they're yeah. just wildly inconsistent from week to week. And sometimes yeah. it's supernovas, and, yeah, you knock off the number 17 team for the second time this season. Like, I think 
I think my text to you was Georgia Tech is nothing if not consistently inconsistent or inconsistently consistent, whichever way you want to look at it. Yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, it's one of those two, depending on your lines, I guess. Yeah, yep. So, yeah, really, really good for Georgia Tech. Huge win for Brent Key for this program. Um, they needed it. And, yeah, I mean, Bowl Watch is back on. but It's definitely back on. I, uh, <laughs> I'd could win. be back off after next week. I don't know. I would I – would, I recommend that they beat Virginia this coming Saturday. That's what I yep. would recommend. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I think that's all I got here, Mike. Cool. Let's hit two more sponsors Georgia real fast. Tech 46, North Carolina 42. Yeah, hit the sponsors. Do, this, do the business. Yeah, Homefield Apparel. Uh, so if you're not hip, get hip. Uh, homefieldapparel.com, vintage collegiate apparel. I'm wearing a black pullover right now. Underneath it is a George Washington basketball Homefield shirt, which Scott oh, yeah. is Scott in particular is going to really appreciate. Uh, that shirt because got that shirt kind of out of happenstance but mm-hmm. uh, use the promo code go acc at checkout for 15 percent off your first order with home field incredible designs any school you can think of for the most part they have and if not they'll have it soon really comfortable clothing uh we're all customers and we really enjoy home field enjoy their partnership so homefieldapparel.com go acc at checkout 15 percent off your first order we want to thank them for their partnership with us also sponsored by none other than vivid seats mm-hmm. any sort of ticketing needs college football pro football concerts you know the world series going to the world series it's been solid so far Use the promo code BCPOD20 for $20 off your first order of $200 or more at VividSeats.com. Use the link in the show notes here. Uh, and if you're listening on audio and not using the YouTube video, that's fine. But make sure that you use the link that we have uh, in the description for the episode. Really important that you do that. And use the promo code BCPOD20 when you use that link for $20 off your first order, $200 or more. If you are going to the World Series, I can guarantee you the tickets will be more than $200. So you may as well get $20 off. Yeah, from uh, from personal experience. Yeah, they're yeah. they're quite a bit more than $200. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so recommend that you do that. Thanks to Vivid Seats for their partnership. Yep, thanks, thank you. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Mike. Miami 29, Virginia 26 in overtime. Tyler Van Dyke has thrown seven interceptions in his last three starts, and he somehow continues to get away with it. And by continues, I mean he just got away with it on Saturday. <laughs> how many? How many good games has Tyler you can't Van Dyke keep played? Getting away with it. Nice ball. Very how many nice good ball. games has Tyler Van Dyke played this year? Not many. Yeah. Few. The answer is few. I don't know that he was all that good against Georgia Tech. I, I don't know. He, I mean, he was okay against North Carolina. Um, something might still be a little bit off with Tyler Van Dyke. They're and, they're winning in spite of him with some mm-hmm. of his with some of his decision making, especially on Saturday. Yeah, twenty of thirty for one sixty three and two picks. That's that's not a great final line for uh, for your star quarterback. It's it's really not good. And I'm going to be honest with you, Joey. I don't 
I don't really know what to make of this. This so whole game. On, this whole game. So on one hand, Miami should have won this by a couple scores. On the other hand, I feel like UVA might have a little bit of something going. Uh, I, I Defensively, I think they've been kind of fine all year. Mm-hmm. Offensively, I think they're starting to figure a little something out with Tony Musket. Mm-hmm. Like they seem to be getting a little bit more going on the ground the last couple of weeks. He looks a little bit more comfortable throwing the football. Uh, I know Tony Musket was banged up early in the year. Maybe it's just a matter of him getting healthy, but I feel like they're just starting to figure something out a little bit. And I know Virginia didn't end up winning this football game, but they did a lot of good stuff here. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and I, I would say this. It wasn't like Virginia was like consistently moving the ball really well throughout this game. Like, it was a little bit of fits and starts. Um, they had they had they had a handful of good drives that they had though, and um, I I agree. And I, I texted you guys this yesterday. I was like, I I regret to inform you. I think we need to have a dialogue about is Tony Musket getting better? Is Virginia getting better? Um, because I I feel like it's a little bit hard to ignore that this has happened two weeks in a row that they've been outmatched from a talent standpoint they beat North Carolina and then they take Miami to overtime and say what you will about Miami again, being checked out or being disinterested in this game, you know, whatever. At the end of the day, it took overtime to beat, to beat Virginia. Like, and I, I got to give some credit to Virginia and that staff and, and those players for making that happen. You know, they, <laughs> I didn't expect it, but it seems like maybe I, uh, I don't know that I underestimated them to begin with, but uh, seems like they might be improving a little bit, Mike. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, I mean, average almost five yards per play against a pretty good Miami defense. So, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, at least, I mean, Miami's not real good, but they're they're competent on defense, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I really don't know what to make of Miami. I, you know... I just kind of want to throw the Georgia Tech game out a little bit. It's on Cristobal. It's on the staff to not kneel down there. Just kind of a weird ending. Mm -hmm. I almost want to throw that out. And then you look at kind of the last few weeks, like North Carolina. Okay. I I thought there was no harm in losing to them, but Carolina hasn't won a game since. (laughs) And then you beat Clemson, which good that you did that. Right. But then the following week, you nearly kind of kick away a game against Virginia. So I don't know. I, I think Van Dyke is holding them back. I think the turnovers are really killing them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's, it's hurt them in particular in a couple of these. Oh, it nearly cost them this game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of turnovers. I thought cost them a chance to be competitive against North Carolina. Uh, there have just been, and, and that's probably the best game he's played in the last month or so was that North Carolina game. And I thought that turnovers really hurt him there too. I just don't really know what to make. Like, I, I think that he did some decent things early in the year. Like, I think back to the Texas A&M game when they kind of lit up the scoreboard and he was throwing to a bunch of guys running wide open through the Miami second through the um, Texas A&M secondary. But ever since then, it's just kind of been up and down and he's been banged up. I do want to acknowledge that, but this is uh don't know what to make. I, I don't think they're going to be very competitive with Florida State is something I'm comfortable saying right now with how they've looked recently. Mm-hmm. They have the talent to to hang there for sure, but 
the way they're playing is not inspiring a whole lot of confidence. We're getting a lot of up and down performances out of this team over the last few weeks. And yep. for the first half of the season, I thought they were a pretty consistent team that was looking pretty good. Now I'm just not really sold on them at all. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Um, it's been weird to watch because, yeah, I, I those first couple or three weeks, you know, and especially the win over A&M and the way that they just absolutely disposed of Miami of Ohio and even like Temple, like, it's like, I don't know, this is a legit good team. Yeah. And um, it hasn't really gone that way in ACC play, honestly. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know if they're just not like all mentally engaged or, you know, if again, it, there were a couple points in this game where it felt like Miami could go get go in there and get sacks on Tony Musket like at will, and they had yeah. six sacks. I think six or eight. I think it was six. Um, they go in and they had ten tackles for loss, like a, a really good defensive performance. Just looking at the numbers, and then you yeah. look at like, well, they got outgained here, and they gave up you know almost four hundred yards of offense, and. Yeah, I don't know what to make of it. It it it, it felt like it was a check in check out situation throughout this game for Miami, and they they ended up needing to hit a field goal. Uh, I think with maybe what was it about a minute and a half left to tie the game, send it to overtime. And um, yeah, I just even if Virginia is improving, Miami should be I think better than needing a field goal to tie in the final two minutes. Yeah, with this Virginia team at home. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's not ideal. I mean, shout out to Miami for, I guess, becoming bowl eligible because this closing stretch is not going to be easy. Uh, Miami is going to have to, you know, they're going to have to try to be grownups here when they go to Raleigh on Saturday night in the ACC Network primetime game of the week. They mm-hmm. NC State opened, I think, is like a five. Or I, I'm sorry, Miami opened is about a five point favorite. Hmm. That's already been bet down to four. Hmm. just something to note going to Raleigh at night is not an easy task. What was that you said about uh, Tyler Van Dyke turning the ball over a lot against a good NC state defense. Hmm. Miami has Florida state the following week. So it's a look ahead spot as well. They follow that up uh, with Louisville. So in the Florida state come down game. Yeah. And then he closed the season in Chestnut Hill. So a bunch of South Florida kids, playing football in Massachusetts at the end of November. What could possibly go wrong? So I'm not saying that Miami's going to go six and six, but I'm also not not saying it. <laughs> I'm not saying that they won't. Right. Hmm. So I think this was uh, one of the situations I saw. I think I saw an article or you know a couple tweets or whatever it was earlier this week on um, like second year coach check-ins basically. Yeah. And uh, if you look at Mario Cristobal's record through a year and a half, yeah, it's like a game or two worse than Manny Diaz's record was through a year and a half. <laughs> so yeah, fall victim. It's like the Shane Beamer, Will Muschamp or like the Tom Herman, Steve Sarkeesian, you know? Yeah. Go down the list. Kind of felt like you were going to be getting a little bit more than you've been getting so far. Um, I think it's back to back overtime wins, by the way. For I Miami. think that I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Back to back overtime wins. Definitely something that's sustainable. They should keep doing. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued at what's going on with Virginia, by the way. Like is Oh yeah, very. Is this sustainable intrigued. or is this two teams that they played in back-to-back weeks that just thought that this one's in the bag, like we don't have to really dial in. 
and uh, Virginia was able to jump up and beat him. I don't know. Yeah. If Georgia Tech shows up in Charlottesville next weekend and thinks that they can just roll their helmets out there, they will get smoked in that game. That'll be another of those double-digit losses out of nowhere. Among the outcomes, this would not be funny for you, but among the outcomes, that would be very funny, just from an ACC standpoint. Yeah, yeah, it would be ACC as hell. That's, that's yeah, it sure. would be, would be without doubt. Miami twenty nine, Virginia twenty six in overtime. We'll make the last two a little bit quicker. Uh, well, <laughs> no promises here. Actually, Notre Dame fifty eight, Pitt seven. Dude, <laughs> uh, I mean. The the game was what it was. Like Notre Dame had uh, Sam Hartman had two early interceptions. Notre Dame could have actually hung seventy on Pittsburgh with mm-hmm. very like little effort. It could have been seventy points. Uh, so I I want to bring up. I, I, let me get your take on this game, and I'm going to bring up uh the press conference quote from Pat Narduzzi that we'll get into. Mm-hmm. That's like the brunt of what I want to talk about here. Yeah. Uh, not. Just really not great, man. Uh, Joey, maybe you can, maybe you can read the pit drive chart. While I'm pulling <laughs> this up, if that's at your disposal, it is. It is. Um, yeah. So pit goes three and out. That punt is returned for a touchdown. By the way, 82 yards by Chris Tyree, like right up the middle. So three and out. Three and out. Five plays punt. Five plays interception. Nine plays miss field goal. Three plays interception. So we've now turned the ball over twice. We have gone three and out two other times. That's that's not a great start for the first half. Second half, five plays punt, three plays pick six, two plays interception, three plays punt. So that's a three and out, four plays punt, three plays touchdown, four plays punt. And uh, yeah, so that, that's a hell of a lot of three and outs and turnovers, basically, yeah. is what we're seeing. Christian Vayar, four picks in this game. That's not a winning effort, I just I would guess. Yeah, uh, survey <clears throat> says you probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> so, doesn't help. Unfortunately for Pat Narduzzi, he talked after the game. Probably wishes he didn't do that. Yeah, that's that's not not always for the best. No, definitely, definitely not. We've seen Good Narduzzi. For the content. It, it's excellent for the content. We have seen Narduzzi step in it before, and uh, count this following quote among the times that he's done that. Mm-hmm. Quote, I'll go back. As a football coach, you lose a lot of good players from a year ago. You think as a coach you're going to replace them, and obviously we haven't. (laughs) Again, it starts with me. I didn't do a good enough job coaching today. Put it on me, and we've got to make plays. The first part of that quote made... Don't press it! Don't press it. No doubt about it. With your voice. Yeah. Basically, just go mute. Go full Helen Keller, please. The The first part of that quote was kind of making the rounds around social media. And unfortunately for Narduzzi, his players got a hold of it and started being, especially some of the guys who transferred in and some of the guys who were coming up kind of as recruits and thinking that they were being the replacements for some of the guys they lost off a pretty good team last year. It's a little bit insulting, isn't it? A little bit insulting. And you can guess what the reaction was from those players. It was kind of varying levels of what the hell. Mm -hmm. So, Narduzzi, no less than like an hour after a press conference quote gets out, he puts out a tweet. Quote, I am 100% responsible for today's loss. Like I said, after the game, it starts with me. I didn't do a good enough job coaching today. Put it on me. I remain committed to finishing the season strong with our team. End quote. Yeah, I mean, 
totally fine. Good to backtrack. Probably in in your best interest to do so. But uh, Joey, we're putting Pittsburgh on quit watch. Uh huh. Hey. If they weren't already. I quit. I quit. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hundred percent on quit watch here. Yeah. Um, and and by the way, quit watch might have started in the second half of this game because. <laughs> Uh, Notre Dame's second half drive chart here. <laughs> Read it, Betty. Read it. Uh, that would be touchdown, 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 touchdown. End of game. Five touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Is that good? Yeah, and there was a pick six in there, by the way, that they added for uh, for good measure. So, yeah, yeah, twenty seven points in the third quarter alone. Fourteen in the in the fourth quarter. Yeah, uh, can't do a whole lot better than that. It's funny because like it was a good offensive performance by Notre Dame, but you know they had the pick six. They returned a punt for a touchdown. Like it was a good offensive performance, not to take away anything from Notre Dame, but it was just a complete performance in totality, yeah. is really what it was. I mean, Pittsburgh didn't have an answer in all three phases. Yeah. And I, I just again, there's no shame in losing to this Notre Dame team. There's honestly not even a lot of shame in kind of getting blown out, but like the scale of this definitely feels like there's some quit there. And and to some degree. Can I understand Pitt's defense quitting when they watch Christian Bayard throw his fourth interception of the game and it gets run back for a touchdown? It's like, what are we doing? What's the point? Like, why right. bother right. if if they're going to score on him and not even on us? Like, and, and truth be told, like, Audrick Estime is, like, not the easiest guy to try to tackle for four quarters either. So mm-hmm. when you see Bayard just continuously throw the ball to the other team and then you have to go back out on defense on short rest and then try to tackle – 240 pound Audrey Gestime again, who runs like a four five forty. That's not something I'd be interested in doing either in yep. their defense. Yep. Completely. Another agree. example of the transitive property in college football doesn't exist. Uh, yeah, I'd say uh, Pitt beat Louisville. Louisville beat the hell out of Notre Dame and Notre Dame just beat the brakes off Pittsburgh. That'll fit. Notre Dame going to fit really nicely in the ACC circle of suck diagram somewhere. So full voting member Notre Dame. Ridiculous. I don't know why anybody chooses to negotiate with Notre Dame. You don't have to do this. You really don't. Like you don't have to do it, but they choose to anyway. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Notre Dame 58, Pitt 7. Don't press sand, Pat Narduzzi. Good lord. Yeah. What a uh, disaster of a Saturday for Pitt. Don't press sand. Do not. Boston College 21, UConn 14. Uh, I didn't watch a lick of this, like truth be told. But Thomas Castellanos got hurt. UConn was competitive. BC, so Boston College has been, uh, over the last month or so, it feels like they've been getting it together a little bit. Like, they've been playing better football. Mm -hmm. They were not very impressive here in the condensed portion of this game that I watched. Yeah. Not real impressive. UConn was game, which is a problem, because UConn's now one in seven. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... Fumbling around with a one and seven team, BC now five and three, good for them. One win from bowl eligibility. That would be huge for Jeff Halfley, truth be told. But yeah. like that, this was just not what you want against a team of UConn's caliber. Not yeah. what you want. Not great. Um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of felt like this was a little bit of a sleepy. I don't know, like a letdown performance almost for Boston College. I mean coming off the win at Georgia tech. And it's not like that's like some big program defining win, but like it was something that um, at least, you know, I know Thomas Castellanos was really excited about fired up about like 
you know, they got a lot of good press coming off of that game. And I don't know, again, if this is a, oh, well, we can just beat UConn. Uh, it, it's not a problem. Or I, it felt like Boston College was like comfortable despite what it said on the score scoreboard for a lot of this game. You know, I mean, it was only yeah. a one score game for almost the entire thing. Um, there was one drive that UConn had that uh, Boston College was up two touchdowns, but UConn goes right down, scores a touchdown and, and makes it a one score game again. So it's like, this thing was close uh, on the scoreboard, yeah. but I don't know. It was just kind of this like sleepy, quiet, you know, calm thing. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I will give credit to Boston College. I mean, so you mentioned Thomas Castellanos is a little bit banged up. Um, he, he did go out at one point in this game. Uh, we had a, an Emmett Moorhead sighting. Um, there was Moorhead in this game. It turns out. That's um, good. But, well, that's, that's what we like right in the but, stands. <laughs> But Castellanos did come back in for the final drive, so he was he was there, and I, I assume that that's the case that he'll be good to go for you know whatever comes next week. So um, I, I agree with you. I'm I'm impressed with Boston College. It feels like they're building something a little bit here. Um, I not sh- I, I'm still not sold on how actually legit good they are. Um, oh no no no! Truth be told, I don't think they're good. But yeah, I mean, there's can they also- beat that Syracuse team next week that we just saw against. Virginia Tech. I mean, yeah. the funniest, the, the funniest possible outcome is Dan Rubin's nine and three Boston College prediction, because I, I think the story at the beginning of the year in the ACC was I was looking at Louisville's schedule. I was like, Louisville could win nine or ten games and might actually not be that good. Mm-hmm. So I, I've kind of rescinded that a little bit because I do think Louisville's good, but now that by far the funniest outcome, the rest of the season would be for BC to go nine and three and for us to legitimately like not think they're good. Yeah, which is on the table. They could go nine and three without being even like a top 50 team in the country. Like just hysterical stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. This schedule, all of a sudden, most of it looks incredibly easy. (laughs) Like, yeah. Especially when, again, like Syracuse kind of fallen apart. Pitt has fallen apart. Uh, Miami might be slowly in the process of falling apart. So, you know, anything is possible here. Um, I don't know. Absolutely think they can go in the Carrier Dome and win next Friday at, uh, at Syracuse. That, that Syracuse team is not in good shape right now. <laughs> no, no, it's not. So I, I think that's a winnable game for BC. I think they could they could potentially reach ball eligibility there. Yep. Kai Robichaux, 23 carries for 112 yards and two scores in this game. That's, uh, good, that's your difference. Good player. Good yep. player. Yep. Absolutely. Boston College, 21. UConn, 14. Sorry, I almost said 17. I don't know why I said that. 14. That's Mike, I think that's all I've got on these games. Uh, should we give out some awards real quick? Yeah. Do we know what the awards are? Uh, I I have one. <laughs> all right, let's do it. Uh, Queen Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, well, I'm I'm gonna start here. Queen Elizabeth II Memorial You Died Award goes to none other than Christian Bayer. <laughs> Four interceptions. My God, man. I was going to go Pittsburgh at large, but yeah, no, that works. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, Pittsburgh at large, totally fine. <laughs> uh, go ACC moment of the week. We haven't really discussed this, but in my opinion, it's Dave Dorn and Steve Smith going back and forth. It's got to be. Uh, I am I was the, the only place that my mind went that it made sense. Was, it's, yeah. it's the ACC version of Ryan Day and Lou Holtz. It's really funny. That was awesome. Really funny. Any anytime we can get more coaches cutting wrestling promos, like it's 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 only for the better. 
It's yeah. only for the better. I love it. By far the Go ACC moment of the week. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. Good on Brian, you, Van Brian Van Gorder Memorial You Tried Award goes to Pat Narduzzi for trying to take the blame for the loss, but actually blaming his players. Dude, like, you tried, buddy. Pat. Pat, come on. Like, what? How did you think this was going to go? Like, the player's like, oh, yeah, we're not good enough. We'll try really hard next week, though. And um, I, I think that this is the first time we've ever had a twofer in the, in the awards. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, the Lee Corso Memorial I Had a Stroke Award also goes to Pat Narduzzi. <laughs> and you know what? We can also give it to Christian Bayard. Yeah. Yeah, with any of those four interceptions, probably uh, at least one of the ones that was run back for a touchdown. That's, yeah. you know, not great. Uh, yeah. That's good. Who, who do we got for uh, – do we have anybody? Oh, I'm sure we have somebody from Syracuse for uh, the Kobe Bryant Memorial Volume Shooter of the Week. Uh, Quint Allen, 14 carries for 42 yards. That's – you could do worse than that, but uh, that's, <laughs> that was not good. Yeah. You could certainly do better than that, too. Yeah. Uh, not great. Yeah. Duke also had uh, Riley Leonard, 10 carries for 13 yards. Oh. Includes four sacks, you know, but – not great. Yeah. Uh, those are two good ones. Yep. Yep. Those are two good ones. Uh, what did we forget? The uh, the Connor Stallions uh, used <laughs> steal of the week. Yeah. Uh, that might be Georgia Tech over uh, that, UNC. That might be Georgia Tech over UNC. Yeah. Given or NC State thought. over Clemson. Yeah. Or, or NC State over Clemson. I, I think NC State over Clemson was more believable, though, than mm-hmm. – George Tech over UNC, just yep. given what we thought North Carolina was. Yep, yep. So, uh, team of the week. I mean, I'll give it to Georgia Tech. I'll give mine to Georgia Tech. Sure. I think it's. I think it's got to be Georgia Tech. I think second would be Virginia Tech. Uh, player of the week, Joey. Um, oh, there was one of these that I thought of that was it was kind of quiet. Um. Oh, dang it. Who was it? I don't think it was Jawar Jordan. No. Oh, it was um, um, uh, 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 Kevin Concepcion for yes, yes, uh, yes, NC yes. State, who, yeah, the, the the yardage doesn't look like a lot, but he, he made two particular plays that were really the, the big reason that NC State is able to win that game. So uh, that was that was one of the guys that came to my mind. Antoine Powell Rylan, Virginia Tech, two more sacks. Uh, I believe he now leads the ACC in sacks. Virginia Tech is now tied for sixth in the country. I didn't mention this earlier. Tied for sixth nationally in sacks. Hmm. So quietly climbing up the boards thanks to playing the uh, excellent offensive lines of Wake Forest and Syracuse the last two weeks. Helps to uh, pad the stats a little bit. It, that it does. Uh, Haynes King and Dante Smith, both really good for Georgia Tech. And I'll throw out uh, Brett Scyther as well. Um, he had a couple of touchdown catches. One was on a fourth down. The other one was a, a pretty ridiculous, like, toe tap running out of the end zone kind of thing. Um, really, really brilliant catch by him. So a um, couple of guys that really had a, a huge impact on that game. Yeah, one more. We lose sight of this in blowouts, but Jordan Travis had four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he had three through the air, one on the ground, threw for 359, ran for 29 more. Good performance. Really good week from him. For sure. Mike, what am I forgetting? Is that it? We're done. Hour and 30. 
there you go. That's reasonably compact for an eight game recap. Yeah, Scott, how do we do? We've done worse with five. We've done worse with five games. That's true. So I, I thought we very recently, in fact. Yes, very recently. That's right. Scott, we good? Yeah, I think you're good. Great job. And uh, we passed 250 during the stream. So wait. All go, right. Everybody. That doesn't mean stop go. subscribing, though. Cheers. That yes, doesn't mean stop subscribe. subscribing. Keep subscribing. Yeah, there you go. Little dance music. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, let's uh, let's cut that out before we get DMCA'd or something like that. So <laughs> wouldn't be the first time. It would not. It would not. Uh, all right, let's work on getting out of here, Mike. Uh, we're going to come back and preview week 10. Uh, Thursday man, and November. Friday night games. Mm-hmm. We'll be back yeah, early in the week this week. Multiple weeknight games here. Um, we got Notre Dame and Clemson. We've got Virginia Tech at Louisville. That's a huge game for the standings. We've got a lot to talk about. So, uh, yeah, keep it tuned right here. Uh, we'll come back and probably do a li- probably do a live preview. Who knows? Um, and we'll do it live. We'll do it live. It could be Tuesday. It could be Wednesday. It won't be Tuesday. That, that's Halloween. So it could be Wednesday. Oh, yeah, um, yeah it definitely won't be Tuesday. It'll probably Thank be you. Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> so come join us then. Once again, youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Join in, in the chat. I uh, really appreciate the folks that came out tonight and uh, joined in on the conversation. We had a lot of fun uh, mixing it up with the folks there in the comments uh mike in the meantime they can find us on twitter i'm at after s joey he's at mike mcdaniel si together at bc podcast acc uh you can send us an email with your questions your comments your concerns to the longest email address known to man basketball conference podcast at gmail.com nailed it thank you um you know the nice thing about having so many subscribers is now we get like four emails every day of people trying to help uh optimize our, our search engine you know do some seo stuff and uh trying to help produce things yeah it's, it's Somebody send us an interesting email, actually, please, instead of oh, just uh, being yeah. a bunch of bots trying to sell us stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm tired of talking to the Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> that, that came out way worse than I intended. That's, that that's going to get clipped and dropped yeah, in an episode yeah, we're, at some well, point. Yeah. God. <laughs> that's. Yeah. Not that came out way worse than I intended. Let's continue to wrap this up. I, I, I don't know what you intended. Uh, yeah. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're on all the good places you go find your podcast. If you're just listening in audio format, hit that subscribe button. We appreciate it. Uh, Mike, we're also on the social medias. <laughs> Facebook. Facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. Instagram at BC Podcast ACC. Uh, yeah. YouTube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. We already talked about all that. Make sure to continue to subscribe. Ratings, reviews on iTunes and Spotify and wherever you get your podcast really important as well. So make sure to go do that. Yep. And sorry, again, everyone, for not getting the picks out posted this week and the past two weeks. Just been really busy moving and stuff. So apologize. That'll come back soon. Yeah, I yep. mean, it, 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 you clearly put a lot of work into dialing in that uh, that Halloween costume there, Scott. So I, I understand. And we'll be past that after Tuesday. If you didn't, if you went live last night, everyone would have seen it. <laughs> yeah, very true. Yep. I mean, if you went live, everyone would have seen it too. So just throwing that out there. But <laughs> this is your show. <laughs> <laughs> could it could have been could have been your show in that costume though? I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. Would have been but Piglet fair. show. I'm telling you what. Would've, it would have been Piglet show. That's right. <laughs> uh, support our sponsors: Homefield Apparel, Section 103.com, and uh, Vivid Seats. Do that as well. Yes. Use the promo codes, use the links, all that good stuff. Uh, Mike, Scott, that's all I got. You want to come back and preview week 10? We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Let's do it. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, for producer Scott, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. 
We will talk to you again very, very soon. And until then, go ACC.